0: Welcome to Beyond Politics. I'm your host, Paul Hodes, with my co-host, strategist, writer, and brilliant thinker, Matt Robeson. We broadcast on WKXL and podcast wherever it is you find your podcasts. We're very happy to welcome back two friends of our show, Mario Broussard and Alex Ivey, who are senior vice president and vice president of research, respectively, at Global Strategy Group, one of the premier polling research and public affairs companies in America. Mario and Alex have just released the latest edition of their fascinating research project, The Melting Pot an ongoing look at racial politics in America, which is intended to take the temperature of Black America on political issues, social attitudes, and voting behavior. We always learn something new and insightful with Mario and Alex, and we're really happy to have you both back on Beyond Politics. So, folks, you start out your newest report by with a rhetorical question, which is, what keeps black voters up at night? So what's the answer? What are the top issues for black Americans right now?
1: Well, Paul, uh, you know, the truth is that the top issues for black voters is not all that different than the top issue for most voters. Um, these days, with uh, rising gas prices, rising grocery prices, increasing cost of housing, um, the economy and inflation are really top of mind for, uh, for black voters. Uh, but um, there's another issue that black voters also uh, alerted us is on their mind, and that is um, the fear of uh sort of violence these mass shootings are really touching a nerve with and again i'm sure it's not just black voters but you know since that is the topic of conversation with black voters the fear of these random um shootings is really becoming much more salient and uh particularly the one in Buffalo, I think sort of shook people because um, that one was, was clearly racially motivated and a number of black voters that we talked to for this uh, most recent study that we released um, told us that they are um, concerned that they're gonna be out in public and they're gonna be targeted in a mass sort of way simply because of the color of their skin. So um, the economy and, and, and this random uh, violence is really what's keeping Black voters up at night.
2: And to follow up, let's maybe take both of those issues one at a time. So just to follow up on the economy first, previous surveys of Black voters have found that Black Americans are a lot more pragmatic and even conservative when it comes to economic issues, then their affiliation with the Democratic Party might otherwise suggest, given its more progressive wing. In your results on voter economic concerns, are you finding that does that does that pattern bear out?
1: Uh, I thought Alex was going to answer that question. Uh,
3: oh. I can jump in. Um, I mean, with respect to the economy, I'm not so sure that it, that pattern was borne out in our qualitative results. That's not to say that it's not the case sort of more broadly. Um, I think Black voters are concerned about the economy and inflation because we're often last hired, first fired. And with sort of recession fears um, upticking, uh, as a as the result of you know many variables here, including the Fed rate hike, um, black voters are just now getting absorbed into the labor force. You know, like the last jobs report was gangbusters for black folks, and now there's a lot of concern that if the economy slows, we're going to be the first sort of uh, you know feeling the repercussions of that recessionary turn. Um, so I think there's a lot of concern about the economy and inflation viewed uh, through that prism.
0: So I, I, I'd like to turn to another issue, uh, the issue of personal safety. Um, and there's been... Oh, 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 yeah. Well,
1: before you shift to uh, personal safety, I just want to make one other point. Sure. It, I think is an important one that we heard from African-Americans uh, in this study, which is that that focus on the economy, it, it's sort of a two-tiered focus. There's a short-term focus on uh, on inflation and the cost of living, but there's a longer-term focus also on the creation of a more equitable economy overall. Um, and, and for many reasons, you know, beyond, uh, including, economic reasons, it is important to black voters. So of course, you know, leveling the playing field is something that uh, black Americans have been looking to achieve for quite some time. But they also told us that they believe that once that economic playing field is leveled, that it will go a a long way um, toward uh, curing some of the social ills that um, have been plaguing the Black community. So it's sort of a, a, a double-edged um, sword, if you will. Um, you know, it helps economically, but uh, improving the economy, they believe, will also help socially.
0: You know, I'll, I'll, let me just follow up, um, because I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about what you've just said in the context of uh, the recovery from covid um, it's a disproportionate effect on Black and Brown people. Uh, the uh, economic issues around COVID. Now we're, you know, we've 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 come to uh, a supposed recovery, a, a supposed economic recovery. But now we're facing um, high inflation and the threat of recession. Um, has, did did those, did those factors or that sort of a quick summary of a sequence of events factor in in terms of your research uh, the in terms of in this recent report to how uh, black voters were looking at the economy?
1: It's hard to say no to that, right, because of the experience that the black community has uh, undergone over the last couple of years. I will say, though, that um, in this qualitative exercise that Alex and I initiated, it wasn't explicitly stated in that way. Um, So it's hard to pinpoint exactly um, why these concerns may necessarily be um, bubbling to the top. But, you know, just over time over our 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 work over time, this has been a concern uh, in the black community for I mean, I could say decades, but for many, many years. So I I think the the COVID experience has probably served to exacerbate it, Um, but it has been there and, and somewhat latent for a long time.
2: You know, uh, Paul, I know you wanted to get onto that other thread of those top of mind concerns for Black voters that Alex and Mario were finding in this survey, which was the, the personal safety aspect. But I, I did want to now follow up to your follow-up and, and pick up on uh, something, Mario, you just said. And Alex, you referred to this a moment ago as well, that what you're doing here is is qualitative research this time around. So obviously, um, you know, there, there are sort of two main branches that most of the public is familiar with or, or has heard about when it comes to survey research. there's sort of a more quantitative um, kind of polling uh, opinion survey type approach. That's what people are you know when you get a poll you're kind of familiar with that and in your report we do see uh, you've done a survey like that and and we see some quantitative results that we might be familiar with that you might see in any kind of poll but you also very much put front and center your qualitative research where you you convened a discussion board which is it seems like a, a kind of focus group um, and you get people in their own words describing their feelings their thoughts their, their reactions you know for example uh, paul was about to allude to the public safety the person sorry the personal safety question and i was really struck by a quote that you insert in your report from a a female Democrat who says, I'm very worried about the state of affairs in this country, especially with mass shootings. I'm worried about going to the supermarket and being a target because I am black. I've seen posts on social media where there are calls for Trump's army and MAGA patriots. That is very concerning to me. And that just, for me, I found that eye-opening because that was not the first angle From which i would have considered the personal safety issue we're so familiar we've talked in our last show about um we talked about um you know concerns about being targeted by the police or um concerns about um being disproportionate victims of crime this was just a different take on it that i wasn't expecting so can i just ask about the approach you took here why did you focus a little bit more here on this kind of qualitative research where we're getting people in their own words? Um, is that was that sort of your intent to try and draw out statements like this to inform your report?
3: Yeah, absolutely. So there's kind of two branches of opinion research. One is survey research. So what do you think, you know? Uh, what's your top concern? the economy, security, et cetera. Um, And then there's qualitative, which is, why do you think it? Um, What's behind it? Um, Tell me in your own words. And and you can't really answer in an open-ended fashion in most surveys. So we really did want to add some texture, some color, and some nuance to um, this dialogue about what Black voters are thinking and feeling um, as we head into the midterm election cycle. So um, you know, yeah, and that's exactly right. You really uncover a lot of things that you might not have initially expected um, by just asking people in their own words. So, you know, being afraid of going to the supermarket because you're black in the wake of Buffalo, um, you know, a lot of people might not have thought that's the security angle. You might just think, you know, my car is getting jacked or, you know, there's a robbery sort of run of the mill sort of security concern. So you really do get. A lot of angles on it by asking in this way, um,
2: but you also do you do include plenty of um, the more quantitative angle where you're 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 pairing the. I, I was once given guidance in grad school that. In public communications, never a story without a statistic, never a statistic without a story. And it seems like you do a really good job here of pairing those together. You have plenty of stories, people speaking in their own words about what's on their mind, but you pair them with statistics from your
3: quantitative research. Yeah, you have to, you know, because everybody has an opinion, but you don't want to sort of uh, reach broad conclusions on anecdote or just one person's statement, you know, so you need to. compare both tracks of research with one another to make sure okay you're getting these people's opinions but is there is it is there actually a trend here um or is this sort of a one-off person that you know might have a more extreme opinion or a uh less common experience if you will um but yeah i mean that's the magic of this report to be honest not to shamelessly plug but um, yeah, all of the conclusions that we reach in this report are strongly supported by um, survey research. And in fact, that's why we did the qualitative d- angle this time, because we've done so much survey research, because we have this quantitative understanding of how black people view politics and view America. Um, we wanted to get it in their own words now. Um, and I think we did a strong job of that. Yeah, Matt,
1: Alex is spot on. Um, and the way I, I tend to describe it is, in terms of the difference between quantitative research and qualitative research, is that when, when we do quantitative research, in, for the, for the, in the main, we are putting words into people's mouths. We write the questions, do you support or oppose XYZ? Are you favorable or unfavorable to this, that? Uh, or, or the other, in qualitative research, we ask similar questions, but we allow people the the freedom to tell us how they feel in their own words. And so, yes, you know, we've paired sort of um, our uh, our script with real people's uh, scripts, and yeah. we. Alex and I both uh, agree that 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 really is uh, the best approach, the most thorough approach to uh, understanding issues.
0: So um, that's important for the next topic I do do want to bring up, which is uh, an issue that we'll call personal safety, um, because there's been a lot of discussion. Um, about Democratic Party voter backlash on crime and policing. Um, we've seen some polling about a sea change in attitudes. Um, Pew found that um, 17% of Black voters cited violence and crime as uh, their most important issue. Um, we've seen discussions uh, or after the Chesa Budin recall in San Francisco. We've seen the emergence of uh, Eric Adams in New York. Um, as a Black political leader, also a police veteran who's put a stronger policing and reducing crime um, uh, as front and center. And this is something we talked about in our last show. And and in, in light of all this, there has been the Supreme Court decision uh, that came down about the New York gun law, in which um, the National African American Gun Association and Black Guns Matter organizations filed amicus briefs um, to describe the history of racism in gun laws and enforcement. They noted an increase in gun ownership by Black uh, people in recent years and calling it an awakening. And Justice Alito, in this decision, actually cited uh, the discriminatory history of New York's laws on Wednesday. which seemed to suggest, and I'd really love to have your your take on this, that uh, there was support in the Black community for the loosening of restrictions in New York on concealed carry of weapons uh, for for purposes of uh, self-protection of people in the Black community. Um, which is a very, if I'm correct in, in reading that, that would seem to be um, consistent on the one hand with what Pew found about the concern about violence and crime, but in a different way than most people would take it. Am I, am I, am I right about this? Am I misreading? Well,
1: I don't want to speak for the Black community writ large um, without uh, having really studied this in a thorough way. Um, but I, I will tell you this, that uh, in a, a, a lot of the studies that I have been a part of just over the last few weeks, um, also qualitative studies, um, focus groups in places like Atlanta and um, in Raleigh and, and Charlotte, with with black voters, I frankly have been a bit surprised at the number of uh, black gun owners that there are, and um, and I guess the 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 truth is that uh, African Americans are at least as likely to be gun owners in, in general as as other Americans. And, and value their Second Amendment rights. Um, and that's not to say, however, that there isn't a concern around this gun violence. Um, most of the folks that I have engaged on this topic have talked about, you know, some talk about the need to hunt and, you know, they're sportsmen and, 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 and so forth. Uh, but most uh, lean into the fact that they need to protect their homes, um, their families, and uh, and and when out in public. And this this sort of relates back to what we were talking about initially about this concern uh, of these mass shootings, these random mass shootings. They feel like they might be targeted, and need in public and need to protect themselves. So that sentiment is, is again, I don't wanna speak for the black community, it's in the black community. I don't, I'm not sure yet how uh, widespread it is. Um, the two organizations that you mentioned who filed amicus briefs, you know, that's their lane. That's what, what they do, and so you would expect that they would be supportive of uh, the overturning of that New York law. I'm just not prepared to say at this point that that um, opinion, that those attitudes are representative of uh, of the Black community um, more broadly. Yeah, I think you get I,
3: that exactly oh, right. go ahead, Alex. Yeah, I think you get that exactly right, Mario. There is a sort of uh, movement within the black community for responsible gun ownership, um, under the premise that, you know, you can't really rely on the state to protect you from, uh, domestic extremism, domestic terrorism anymore. Um, I do think that's more fringe at this point. Um, but it is sort of a trend, you know, I think last summer there was, or maybe, maybe two summers ago during the George Floyd, uh, protests, there was this movement called the NFC, Uh, movement, the not effing around committee, where they would have these open carry events with AR-15s and, you know, it's a bunch of Black people parading um, to sort of make a statement, make a point about open carry. And, um, you know, but that is more fringe. um, And I think it's in response to sort of a crisis of faith in the government. But I think by and large, Black voters are still uh, pro-gun control, Mm. if I may say so
2: we were we were just saying off air that the very first set of thoughts that would come to mind is sort of when it comes to personal safety for black americans might be some of the some of the discussion that we recently had and that paul was alluding to with the emergence of eric adams as a political leader in new york city he's a you know he's a veteran of the police force he put public safety and and stronger policing uh, at the forefront of his campaign and then of course the recall of Chesa Budin uh, in San Francisco, who was taking a different approach to prosecuting crimes. And there's been a sense that there's a little bit of a backlash going on among all voters and particularly Democratic Party voters to the push that we saw a couple of years ago to defund the police, take alternative policing strategies, um, and you know, a lot of the concern that, that we were feeling at the time about police strategies and the ways that police may be targeting Black Americans. Are you finding in your most recent report that some of this apparent backlash, some of this apparent changing of views over the last couple of years is happening? Is that is that showing up in your research?
1: You know, I I don't think that the attitudes are necessarily changing. I think that they were uh, misunderstood from the outset. Um, First of all, the defund the police movement was um, first, I think, among the worst political slogans, the last I don't know, 20, 30 years, at least. Um, And it that, that those sentiments those attitudes about completely defunding the police or abolishing the police were held by a very small, um, proportion of, of the black community. Um, let's remember that black and brown neighborhoods tend to suffer from higher rates of poverty and violence tends to concentrate around poverty. And so, Concern about violence, concern about crime, um, particularly violent crime has been salient within the black community for a long time. Um, And it always sort of floors me when we talk about issues like this and issues of race. And I think we talked about this the last time we were on the show as well. it astounds me sometimes how uh, white progressives tend to be much more progressive even on issues of, of race or that are tangentially uh, related to race, things like police reform. Um, and they tend to be much more progressive on those issues than do African-Americans. Um, and I think that's what we saw out in San Francisco that that uh, uh, he was uh, the, the DA was elected, and he was elected, I think, on the strength of white progressive voters. And so, yeah, there is this backlash, and I, I think African Americans are um, are sort of happy that um, that there's going to be a, an, an enhanced um, focus on on uh, getting criminals off the street. It, Eradicating some of that violence from their neighborhoods, um, so I think that overall there was a misconception about attitudes regarding uh, this issue within the black community.
0: You know, um, I want to. Um, uh, I, I'm 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 curious, and I, I think I want to go back to something that we were talking about. Um, in terms of economic progress and social progress. Um, and, uh, it, Matt, you can tell me if we've already covered this, but um, uh, Black voters apparently want political leaders to focus on getting the economic issues right as a precursor to social issues progress. Because we've seen um, the 2020 <laughs> the 2020 version of the old, it's the economy, stupid. Um, what I want to know is, Do you do you see this as a new dynamic in reaction to the current economic climate? Or is it consistent with a longer trend of what black voters have been saying uh, their priorities are?
3: I mean, it's always been the economy. It's always been jobs. Um, You know, I think the current economy and the current inflationary moment sort of throws that desire for jobs and Uh, wages into sharper relief Um, but it's always been there you know you always want to have a good paying job Um, you always want to have a strong economy that lifts all boats so you know I don't think this is anything new that we're seeing I think the demands are uh, perhaps a bit uh, coming through a bit more clearer Um, but no I don't think this is a new trend at all Um,
1: you know I would I would I think that that the the, um, new trend, if you will, is around the quality of the jobs that folks are taking. Um, You know, we've all I'm sure, experienced uh, being out at a restaurant and maybe having to wait longer for service. Um, Or, you know, your favorite uh, shop having to change its hours because they don't have enough workers to staff um all their shifts and i think that's really um the the sort of qualitative change that that we see um and and i think again it's not, it's true within the black community but i think it's also true within the broader community folks are not willing to um to take the, the jobs that they were willing to take say just prior to the pandemic um, you know I, I can't yeah that's true that's exactly true why but um but there is that that qualitative change you know in many states uh restaurant workers waiters and and waitresses still work for two dollars and something an hour and plus tips which just in 2022 just seems absolutely um ridiculous you know and folks are just not willing any more, it seems, to be to, to accept those kinds of, of positions.
2: So not to be too tongue-in-cheek about a set of extremely serious issues, but I want to quote to you from the movie Dumb and Dumber, uh, which actually my wife and I do all the time. We, we, we love quoting uh, from this movie to one another, which uh, I don't know what that says about us, but the most memorable line is when a character is told that the odds for something are one in a million, he responds, so you're saying there's a chance and there's a version of this in your report when it comes to republican efforts to win over black voters with attacks on the democratic party and your version is so you're saying there's no chance which is interesting because you're finding here that all of these key republican attacks are are really just washing over black americans they're saying uh-uh not buying it and it's especially interesting because Donald Trump did improve by two points over his 2016 performance among Black voters in 2020. So what are Black voters saying to you here in this report about Republican messaging? And does it mean that Republicans should should basically give up on, on making more inroads among Black voters?
1: I don't know that they should necessarily give up um, on making inroads with black voters because, you know, we, we heard that uh, that black voters tend to um, empath- uh, align with the Democratic Party because of the values that the Democratic Party, um, in their view, tend to hold. Uh, empathetic values, um, equitable values. Uh, values, values around fairness. But at the same time, um, those voters told us that if there was a non-Democrat who embodied those same values, they would consider voting for them uh, as well. So it's not a lost cause, it's, it's, it's the attacks that they are um, launching against Democrats are just not credible for most African Americans. If, if Republicans want to try to make uh, more inroads in the black community, I, they need to change their approach. Um, I, you know, I think in a two party system, it's healthy for both parties to compete for, um, for the votes of, of all Americans. I think it's healthy for the the political system. And it's healthy for th- those individual communities, right? But it just uh, just hap so happens that the Republican approach to policy, the uh, the Republican approach to uh, problems that Black people, you know, feel and see every day, doesn't align with what Black voters want. Um, so no, they don't. They shouldn't necessarily. Um, give up but they should clearly rethink their approach
0: so um if if uh, black voters are let's say cautious about republicans and republicans aren't you know persuading black voters with their policy and and programmatic approach and their approach to issues we're coming up to a midterm election um, and midterm elections for Democrats uh, are historically a challenge in terms of voter turnout. We saw how just how important turning out Black voters was for the presidential election in 2020, uh, when uh, Jim Clyburn endorsed, and and we saw a lot of action and activity um, and turnout. Um, Did you get any insights into what Democrats can do to bring out black voters in 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 the midterms in 2022?
3: Yeah, we did. Um, Specifically, we asked black voters to write a simulated letter to leaders in Congress, um, you know, delineating sort of what they want to see happen between now and Election Day in order to sort of garner their vote, to earn their vote. And we heard a lot of "keep fighting." You know, we know that you're facing an sure. obstructive uh, Republican party, but don't take your foot off the gas pedal. Is a literal quote. Um, you know, continue to fight for what is right, even if there's backlash. Like, demand the change and fight for it. So they, they they're giving Democratic leadership a lot of sort of um, understanding that there's a limited amount that you can do in a 50-50 Senate. Um, but to, you know, really put the pedal to the metal um, where and when you can. And I think this gun legislation is a great example that we're seeing wind through the Senate um, of something that can be done to encourage black voters to show up in the midterms. You know, you can't have control of Congress and show up empty handed. You have to bring something to the table and say it was worth it for you to turn out in 2020. It was worth it for you to turn out in 2022. You
2: know, I'd like to I'd like to take a step back for a second. This is the third time we've had the privilege of hosting you on this show and talking about the latest edition of these reports um in this melting pot series. And you've been at this work for a while and it's it's continuing. I'm not suggesting that this is it. We have to put a bow on it, but what stood out to you the most so far? As you as you kind of take stock of what you've learned so far as part of this effort, are there findings that have surprised you from this or previous editions of, of these reports? Are there things that you found that you wish more people in America understood?
1: Wow, well, um, that's a great question. And I have to say that the thing, when I think about the full body uh, of research that Alex and I have, have conducted with black voters, you know, in this series. Um, one of the things, or the thing that really stands out in, in terms of setting the entire context for everything else that uh, that we, we study and, and look at, um, and it, it, it relates a bit back to, uh, uh, our previous discussion, and it's that there there is this assumption that black voters are um, are Democrats. Sure. They are, you know, all in um, with the Democratic Party, and if you look at um, at their votes specifically, yes. Um, African-American voters do overwhelmingly tend to vote for Democratic candidates. That is unmistakable. But the trend that Alex and I have been seeing over the last couple of years within the black community is a feeling that the Democrats take black votes and black voters for granted and don't deliver the, the material gains that the black community is looking for. And as that sentiment, or if that sentiment continues to flourish within the, uh, the black community, I think it, it bodes poorly for um, for Democrats specifically. And I think uh, it, it also doesn't bode well for Um, African-American participate, political participation, um, specifically. Um, Yeah. If they they feel like uh, it doesn't matter who they vote for because nothing is going to change, then I I worry that a lot of Black voters are going to stop actually showing up
0: and, and
3: voting. Yeah. There's a crisis of confidence that's happening in this country. There's a loss of faith in our institutions a loss of faith in our ability to govern. So Washington careens from crisis to crisis without any sort of long-term plan. Um, People feel their votes don't matter because the electoral college has already decided for them. Um, And that's a really big, big problem. Um, When people sort of give up on the social contract, um, you know, you start getting really scary things happening out there in society. Um, And I think that sort of dovetails with what Mario is talking about. You know, this lack of faith that your vote for either party is going to yield a dividend for you down the line. Um, So what happens when we're in that space and how can we get ourselves sort of back on track with more confidence in our institutions going forward?
2: You know, it's interesting because since the last show that we did, one palpable change that's happened uh, on the political front is the nomination and and uh, successful, I guess, placement on the Supreme Court of Katanji Brown Jackson. And one of the topics that came up as part of that was how much it matters to have a black woman. We we have a black woman as our vice president. We now will have a black woman on the Supreme Court. But that w- what's interesting about that, in light of what both of you were just saying, is while those while that's obviously meaningful. In a, in a real sense, and it's and it's impactful and, and representation matters. What I hear you both saying is something much more fundamental, which is, and this comes through in your report, is that bread and butter day-to-day issues continue to matter a heck of a lot more. And it really brings to mind the experience of Jamie Harrison, who I, I worked with on Capitol Hill before he became the Democratic nominee in South Carolina uh, for the U.S. Senate, and uh, now the chairman of the DNC. And he told a story when he was running for U.S. Senate of walking down a dirt road, knocking on a door of an elderly uh, African-American voter and asking for his vote and thinking, since he's a, a Black man himself, Jamie, that this would be sort of a no-brainer that, that he would get the support of this voter. And the voter said to him, eh, I, I, "I, nah, I, I don't see it. Because Nothing's going to change. Let me tell you something, young man. (laughs) Generations of candidates have come to my front door and they've walked down this dirt road. It was a dirt road when they came before and it's a dirt road now. And I don't see any prospect of it not being a dirt road and it getting paved in the future. So unless you can tell me that you're going to be able to pave my road, I don't see that it really matters whether I vote for you or not. And, you know, Jamie obviously related this story on the stump and in, and in, and in ads, but it was very powerful. It, re- it resonated for me because it, it does connect back to this sense that you're clearly getting out of your research that for all Americans and for Black Americans in particular, it is really time, if we're gonna find our way back from this really fraught moment we found ourselves in politically, it is really time for our institutions and our political leaders to sort of put up or shut up and and show some real tangible progress.
1: That's exactly right, Matt. Um, you know, back in, in twenty twenty uh, or twenty twenty one, we saw African Americans celebrating uh, Kamala Harris's uh, election as vice president. Um, earlier this year, the nomination of Ketanji Brown Jackson Jackson was received uh, warmly. Um, Within the black community, uh, but the black voters tell, have told us that those things are great and and that that's terrific. But they 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 are more symbolic than substantive. And while the symbolism is important and and um, and laudable, it's the substance that black voters are really seeking. And it's that substance that they feel is lacking from our legislative process at least as it relates to the issues that are most important to them
2: you yeah know, you know oh go ahead please well i was just going to say and we've got about a minute so yeah, uh, yeah.
0: Uh, all i all i'll say is you know matt and i have always been um, uh, proponents of, and I'm putting this mildly of better democratic messaging about uh, what the Democrats have achieved for example and what Democrats stand for but it sounds like this goes a lot deeper for black Americans as well as for all Americans than mess better messaging from from Democrats they're they're looking beyond the messaging to see um, uh, where's the beef
2: well look it reminds me most of what Congressman Clyburn told us, and I, all our listeners go back and listen to our show with Jim Clyburn. Why did he endorse Joe Biden? Because Joe Biden knows his community, and his community knows Joe Biden. It was about showing up and actually doing stuff and actually getting stuff done, and how much that mattered. Once again, Mario and Alex, thank you so much for joining us, for walking us through this most recent edition of your report. And we are looking forward to having you back for your next one.
1: Thank you. Yes, it is always our pleasure to be here with you two gentlemen. We look forward to the next time.